Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, we've been in a series for the last three weeks entitled Real Christmas, R-E-E-L, as in movies, as in cinema reels. We've been talking about Advent and the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth 2,000 years ago and how it shook up everything that we, we know and it turned the world upside down in a good way. Uh, but we've been talking through Advent and using movies to do that, Christmas movies in particular, because, because these movies are centered on Christmas and Christmas is about Jesus. We see these themes of Advent woven throughout some of these movies that, ha- that we like to watch during the Christmas season. The first week, Pastor Barry talked to us, uh, and he used the movie A Christmas Story. Who's ever seen A Christmas Story with little Ralphie and his Red Rider BB gun? Okay, we watched it this week at our house. It was my choice. It was evidently not a popular choice. I didn't know that at the time, but I don't, my younger kids were not as excited. There may be a little nostalgia of me growing up and watching those movies. I don't know, but... Pastor Barry talked about hope and, and his hope that we would get a, a Red Rider BB gun and talked about the idea of hope and the coming of hope with the coming of Jesus Christ. And last week, Pastor Donnie used the movie Home Alone. Anybody go home and watch Home Alone after that? Okay, a couple of you. All right, all right. Evidently, there's like five Home Alone movies. I did not know this. There's like four, and then they just did a new one. Disney did a new one that we watched not that long ago. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. New twist on Home Alone. But... Pastor, Don, or Pastor Donnie used Home Alone to talk about the coming of peace and the advent of peace that came with Jesus Christ. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to continue, obviously, talking to you about uh, Advent. And I want to introduce you this morning, or maybe reintroduce you this morning, to a movie that is about 20 years old, but it's become kind of like an instant classic around Christmas time. And that movie is Elf. Anybody ever seen Elf? Okay, I knew you'd get a little excited about that. For those of you who've never seen the movie, I got to give you a little bit of a brief synopsis, you know, maybe a little bit of what I'm talking about uh, so that you kind of get an idea of the story. It's a story about an orphan human child who was raised in the North Pole by elves. He grows up believing himself to be an elf, but never really quite fits in because he's like 6'3 or 6'4 and all the elves are like, you know, two fit, two foot. And so... Um, He just never really fits in with the elves. And one day he's told about his real family and sets out on a quest to find his real dad who lives in New York City. And so from there, you've got a guy who's believing he's an elf as a full-grown man, and he's kind of childlike, and he's trying to fit into this human world, and it's hilarious. So that's what we're going to be. We're going to be talking about Elf. I'm going to be showing you some clips this morning from the movie Elf, but I want to, before we do that, before I, we get in and talking about that, I wanted to shift gears for just a second and remind you of the night that Jesus was born, okay? So Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph go there because there was a census that was to be taken, and he was born while they were there because Mary was already pregnant at the time, and something amazing happened that night. There were shepherds, and they were out in the fields near Bethlehem. They were tending to their sheep, keeping watch, you know, as they did throughout the night to make sure that nobody robbed the sheep or that no animals came and tried to take the sheep from them. And so they're out there doing their thing, and in the dark of night, they get a peek behind the curtain of heaven. An angel appears to them and tells them about Jesus and tells them about the good news that a king was born, a savior was born, the Messiah, the one that the entire Jewish nation had been waiting for for thousands of years, had been born in Bethlehem. And then 
this, this one angel tells them that, and all of a sudden, all these angels appear in the sky, an army of heaven, and they get to see behind the curtain to see what was going on the night that Jesus showed up. And you know what was going on the night that Jesus showed up? A massive party. They were having a great time. They were shouting. They were singing. They were joyful. I imagine they were probably dancing around. It says they were rejoicing, which means jubilant celebration. They were having a party. There was a ton of joy that centered around the night that Jesus showed up on this earth, and for good reason, because literally since the very beginning of heaven, God had been talking about this night. I'm sorry, since the beginning of time, rather, not heaven. The beginning of time, God had been talking about this night. He had been talking about Jesus coming ever since the Garden of Eden. He had mentioned Jesus. He talked about, there there was a prophecy in in Genesis chapter 3 about Jesus showing up. So this had been, been in the works for a long time, and there was a lot of joy because God was putting into his plan the very reason for Jesus to come was to be a uh, savior for humanity. And so God was finally putting, this, putting wheels into this plan that he had talked about from the beginning of time. And so there was a lot of joy, and it was a reason for joy because Jesus showed up on the scene. Christmas, obviously, is a time of joy, and a lot of people are very joyful around the season, and sometimes we're, you know, it tests us both ways, right? We're like either really, really joyful or really, really grinchy and really, really unhappy. But um, as believers this morning... We should have the most joy during the Christmas season because we have a lot to celebrate. But not only this season, we should have joy in every single season of the year. You see, joy is a second fruit of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy. Joy is the second one in this list of fruit of the Holy Spirit. So just by being in the presence of God... That's how we stay connected to him, okay? If you're imagining fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, fruit that comes maybe from a tree, has to stay connected to its root system. If we have our roots grounded in Jesus Christ, if we have a connection with the Holy Spirit, we should produce fruit. It just should be a natural byproduct, byproduct of our lives. And so joy should be something that we have all the time, Christians, just because we're connected to Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about, like, I'm not talking about the, you know, because some of you are like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy that's going to be like smiling all the time and, you know, just trying to be fake happy. I'm not talking about a fake happiness. I'm not talking about a hyped up kind of a joy. And I've seen that way too much in Christian circles growing up. Fake happiness and fake hype and, you know, trying to make things happen and, and make people, people trying to make themselves seem happy when they're probably really not happy. And I'm not, I'm not about that. I'm not interested in that. I don't want any part of that. I want real. I want authentic. Joy is authentic. Hyped up happiness is dependent on circumstances. Joy, joy is not because joy comes from the inside, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. Because you've probably heard it said that happiness and joy are two different things, right? Maybe you've heard that before. I've heard that many times, and I absolutely agree with that statement. Happiness is something that can be taken away by a bad day, an angry coworker, a bad email, a bad doctor's report. Joy, on the other hand, is tough. It doesn't depend on circumstances, but it comes from knowing who you are in Christ and where you're going in Christ. That's joy. There's a difference. Do you see the difference between the two? It's not fake. It's not hype. It's real. It's something that's authentic in us. As believers, our joy comes from a couple of different things, or it should. So let me remind you, believers, why you should be joyful today. Number one, you have salvation. One time you were in darkness. You had no hope. You were helplessly depressed in your sin because there was no way out. But now... You're saved. 
And you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And guess what? Nobody can take that away from you. That's a reason to be joyful this morning. But there's more. Wait, wait, wait. There's more. It's like an infomercial. Not only are you saved, but you are delivered, children of God. One time you were a slave to sin, and you were miserable in the consequences of your sin. And it had control over you. But now we're free to live the life that Jesus has called us to because he has delivered you from sin. The power of God is power for deliverance to break those things. And no longer do you have to be controlled by substances. No longer do you have to be controlled by people, by habits, by addictions. You don't have to be controlled by those things anymore because God has delivered us. So not only do we have salvation, but we have deliverance. That's a reason for joy this morning. Oh, oh, there is more. One time, in the, one time you were orphans in this world. Maybe not physically because maybe you had a family, but spiritually you were orphans in this world. Subject to the identity that was put onto you by other people. Labels that other people put on you. And you accepted those labels because you didn't have any other identity. And so you just took them for what they were. But now you've been adopted by the king of the universe and you have all the rights and the privileges of his kids. Have you ever seen those movies where... There's several of them out there, and I, the one that always comes to my mind for some reason is King Ralph. <laughs> Anybody remember King Ralph? That was from John Goodman from the 80s, you know? He finds, out that he, was, he finds out that he was like the relative of this king of some kind, and the king dies, and then all of a sudden he gets his inheritance. It's kind of like Mr. Deeds, I guess, is kind of along the same lines where he's just kind of a nobody and living a, a nothing life, and then all of a sudden they, they've realized that because someone died, they're, they're wealthy, and they've inherited all this money, and they've inherited all this what wealth and power. It's like that for us. We were orphans, and now we have gotten an inheritance, or, or we, we have the rights to the inheritance. We are co-heirs with Jesus, which means everything that Jesus gets from the Father, we get. No longer are you orphans, but you have been adopted. You are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. Is that amazing this morning? I think it is. And not only that, you've got his identity. You don't have to live by the labels that people put on you anymore because who know, you know that people like to put labels on us. You don't have to live by those labels anymore because God has given you a brand new identity that's in line with who you are, who he created you to be, and what your calling is in this world. So you're adopted and you have a new identity. That's a reason for joy this morning. Good, good. I, no, I got one more. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. The last reason that we have for joy as believers this morning is you've you got a great destination in front of you. Because after this life, there's this place that we're going to go to. It's a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, we're on this earth right now, but can you imagine this earth completely renewed? Can you imagine this earth where there's no more sickness, no more disease that can touch you? Can you imagine living on this earth with unlimited strength and unlimited health? Can you imagine living here where there's no more hunger, no more war? Could you imagine relationships with other people on this earth where there's no insecurity, gossip, betrayal, nobody talking about you behind your back, but everybody for you? There's no more fear, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more DMV, no more waiting in lines at Disney World. I mean, this world, but 10 times, 100 times better, and there's going to be a new heaven that's a part of it. You get heaven as a reward. And so even when you're walking through the deepest, darkest parts of your life, you should be able to look at these things that I just talked about, and you should be able to have joy. And that, my friend, is not hype. 
that's truth and that's reality and that's who you are because that's what God called you to and that's where you're going. So if there's a reason to have joy this morning, believers, we should have joy this morning. Amen? Amen. Now you can clap. The great thing about all those things that I mentioned is none of them are dependent on circumstances. You can be sick and have all, all the things I just talked about. You can be poor and have all the things I just talked about. Joy is not given by this world or taken by this world. It's given by God alone, and it's ours for the taking this morning. So we're going to let Buddy the Elf, to get back to Buddy, Buddy is the elf's name that we're going to be talking about this morning. I want to let Buddy the Elf teach us a little bit how to grow joy in our lives. And there's three different ways this morning that we're going to discover through Buddy that we can grow our joy today. So Buddy the Elf has this childlike joy, and we're going to let him help us discover three ways to grow joy. So this morning, I want to have you turn your attention to the screen, and let's look at the first one. familiar in a place, he just decides to have fun with it. He just finds some gum that's already been chewed, and he grabs it, and he throws it in his mouth. He finds a turnstile, and he just has fun, and he has fun with it, and uh, just exudes joy wherever he goes, even though it's an unfamiliar place. You see, joy doesn't just happen. Joy is chosen. Joy doesn't just happen. It's chosen. Philippians 4.4 is the Apostle Paul, and he said this to the Philippians. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. If joy is something that just happens to you, then how are you supposed to always be full of joy? If joy was something that was based off circumstances, then how would you always be full of joy? Because circumstances are going to be up and down. Well, that's the key. It's not. Joy is chosen, and that, this verse proves it because Paul is telling us, hey, always be full of joy. Always choose joy. If you have the option, be joyful. Always be Joyful, always choose joy. James 1, 2 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That Greek word, uh, for, can you throw that? Verse? Yeah, it's right there. Sorry, forgot that screen's not working. Consider it pure joy. That word consider literally means in the Greek to command or rule over or have authority over. So have authority over your joy is what it's saying. You choose it, rule over your joy. Don't let it just happen to you. Choose it. You have the option. Isn't that a pretty cool thought today that you have the power in your life to choose joy? Because it can be easy to be the person who allows your situation in life to determine your level of joy. But I'm telling you this morning, don't be that person that allows your circumstances to dictate your joy. You dictate to your circumstances the amount of joy that you're going to have in a given situation. It can be so easy. You know, when I was uh, in South Dakota, there was a youth that I had, and he had cerebral palsy. And I may have talked about him or maybe even shown a clip at one point or during some classes. Uh, his name is Brett. And uh, Brett is this guy. He's got cerebral palsy. He's, fairly, he's got a fairly severe case where he can't speak real well. He can speak, but he's hard to understand. He, can't, he has no function of his body, really. I mean, he can, he can move his arms, and, and he can move a little bit of it. But he has to have someone come in every morning, and he's probably in his mid-30s now, and they have to, you know, get him out of bed, and they have to help him shower, help him go to the bathroom, um, help him get ready for the day, brush his teeth, things like that. He's pretty severe. But I'll tell you this. He lives more life with more joy than probably most of you in this room. He does. He plays hockey. 
He played basketball. He plays softball on a regular basis. He is a grant writer who started his own business and was very successful with it. He is the, uh, he is the president of the Americans with Disabilities for South Dakota, and so he advocates regularly at the uh, state courthouse for people with disabilities, and he has got a column that he writes in the paper from time to time to the editor. I mean, he lives a full life. And so there were times when I would go visit Brett, and I would think to myself, man, I got I to gotta be on today. I got to bring joy to Brett because... You know, the guy kind of, he sits in his house a lot of times because he just can't get out all the time uh, because he has to have someone help him get in his van or, you know, he has to call the paratransit or whatever to get places. And sometimes he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't have time. So he's got a lot of time. So he's going to be bummed. So I'm going to have to go in there with a lot of joy. And I'll tell you what, every single time I would leave his house with more joy than what I came in with because he exuded joy. He chose it. He had no reason to choose joy, but he chose it. And man, I'll tell you what, I was always better for it. You know, sometimes I hear people talk about their circumstances and they use these, they use these when-then statements with their circumstances. And it sounds like this, and you've probably heard it too, or maybe you've even said it, because I know I have. It's, it's when I get married, then I'll find happiness. Or when I graduate college, then life will be better. And if, if I can just retire, then I can slow down and enjoy my life. Or when I get a raise, then I'll be satisfied. Or when I make varsity, then I'll be happy. And it's, it's these when-thens. It's like, it's like I'm just waiting for joy until this, this milestone or this marker, and then the joy will be there. And you know what usually happens in those situations? You get to those milestones and markers, and, and there's something else down the line that you're looking forward to. The joy is not there because you haven't chosen joy in the moment and in the circumstance that you're in. I don't know if any of you remember, but there was a, uh, there was a song by um, a guy named Trace Adkins a couple of years ago, and he, he wrote this song called You're Gonna Miss This, and I love this song because it's a reminder to me to, to, to love the circumstance that I'm in and have joy in the circumstance that I'm in, but it's this song where it's a father and a daughter, and they're talking back and forth, and the daughter is talking through different stages that she's at in life. And, you know, for an example, one part of the song, she talks about being in a one-bedroom apartment, and it's cramped, and, you know, it's not ideal, and she's just getting married, but she's looking forward to the time when they get a house and they have kids. And, and the dad always says, the dad's the chorus, and he always says, you're going to miss this. You're going to want this back. You're going to wish these days hadn't gone by so fast. These are the good times, so take a good look around. You may not know it now, but you're going to miss this. And he reminds her, be joyful in the circumstance and the situation that you're in because there's always great things in every season of life, isn't there? You know, it's easy to say when your kids are young and they're in diapers, oh, when they just get out of diapers. And then by the time they get into the diapers, they understand, they figure out they have a little bit of independence. And then it's like, I don't I want the next stage where, you know, they're going to listen to me. And then they become teenagers and it all goes out the window, right? <laughs> Love every circumstance and every situation. I loved time with my kids when they were babies because I could just hold them, and they would just hang out, and they wouldn't backtalk me. <laughs> and I could just hold them, and they would just love it, and that's all they wanted to do is just to be close. But you know what? I love having teenagers that I don't have to get up with at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now I just wait for them to come in at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I get to watch movies with them until, you know, late at night, and I get to hang out with them, and I get to do other things. Love every season of life. Choose joy in every circumstance and every season of life because, man, there's something to find that's joyful for everything. I don't ever want you to wish your life away because that's part of that, that fullness that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10, when he says, the thief, he comes to kill, to kill, steal, and destroy. 
But Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. One of the ways that you have life to the full is by realizing there's joy in every part of your life. Joy in every circumstance that you're in. Something great that you can find in every single circumstance you're in. So don't let joy just happen to you. Choose joy, okay? So what did Buddy teach us? Buddy chose, told us to, uh, he taught us how to, he said, first got to choose joy. He didn't say this, I'm paraphrasing. Um, choose joy. Secondly, you got to keep joy. So let's see how Buddy keeps his joy. I love how you got the manager who's just all business, right? And uh, he looks at him, he's like, why are you smiling? Smiling's my favorite. Have people ever ask you, why are you smiling? Okay, I don't really get asked that very often. But they ask me once in a while, why, why, why are you so happy? Why are you, why are you smiling? They should be asking you that. Why are you smiling? Why are you so happy all the time? Well, I got joy. Keep your joy. Joy can't be taken away. It can only be given away. Joy can't be taken away. It can only be given away. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The heart in this, what is the heart? I guess let's talk about that. Well, the heart is another, you can use it interchangeably with the word soul. Your heart is your soul. We are a triune being. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Your soul is also composed of three separate parts, your mind, will, and emotions. Okay, It all encompasses the heart, the seat of your emotion. And so when you look at this verse, above all else, guard your heart, I think you can fairly easily substitute the word joy. Above all else, guard your joy for everything you do flows from it. Your joy is at the seat of who you are. And the Bible tells us to guard it. But guard it from what? Guard it from what? What's out to get your joy? Well, there's people who want to take your joy from you. There are joy suckers in the world who want to suck out your joy. There are the, the Debbie Downers and the Eeyores of the world who would like you to be miserable just like they're miserable, okay? And, and they're, just, they're just these people, you get around them and you're happy and you're excited and all of a sudden, ooh, you feel like you've been drained, okay? You ever been around emotional drainers before? Those are the joy suckers of the world. So you got to guard yourself and you got to keep your joy in those circumstances. You know, there's, I, I debated whether I should tell this story to you, but I, I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Um, there, there's this lady, and, and what I want to preface this with is she was a dear saint of God, and she has since gone on to be with Jesus, um, a great woman of God, but there's this woman, her name was Wanda, and uh, our whole staff, my, our pastor had this idea, hey, staff, here's what we're going to do for Christmas this year. Uh, we had a staff meeting day, which was on Mondays, and we would usually have staff meeting and go out to lunch, and so we said, here's what we're going to do. Instead of having staff meeting on Monday, we're going to go caroling in the nursing homes to all of our shut-ins. Oh, that's a great idea. So we got all dressed up in our holiday gear. Some of us had Santa hats on, and we went to the nursing home. We were just excited. You know, we're excited to bring joy to the people who are shut-ins, and we knew that, you know, that sometimes they need a little more joy because of their circumstance. And so we went in, and the first person that we go to is Wanda. And we said to Wanda, Wanda, we're here to just give you some Christmas cheer. Wanda, how you doing today? I quote, I just want to die. I just want to go home to be with the Lord. I can't hear a word that you're saying right now, you know? And Wanda's a dear lady. She's great, but she just was at that place where she was 90-some years old, and she just wanted to be with Jesus. And here's what happened to all the staff. They're, we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so we regrouped, and we, uh, we sang her some. We, or, uh, we regrouped a little bit. We said, Wanda, can we sing you some Christmas carols today? It's like, well, you can sing them, but I can't hear. I can't hear a thing. So it's probably not going to do any good. <laughs> she was just not working with us at all. But we regrouped, and we sang her some Christmas carols, and 
You know, I don't know. She probably was happy to have us gone. I don't know what she had on the agenda for the day, but uh, you got joy. People in your life that are joy. And Wanda, again, she's a great lady. Take nothing away from her. If I was 95 in her circumstance, I probably would be, you know, in that place too. So needless to say, she got her prayer the next year and she went on to be with Jesus. So um, that worked out for her too. But you got to guard your heart sometimes. You got to guard your joy and keep it because sometimes people just want to, sometimes people are just miserable and they want you to be miserable like they are. You know, misery loves company. There's a very true statement. But there's sometimes people are like, they're trying to bring you down. Sometimes it's out of jealousy. Sometimes you're doing great things maybe in your life. And there's times when you're making strides in the Holy Spirit and you're making changes. And people see that. You know what? It makes people uncomfortable because then they realize if they're just stagnant in their own lives, it makes them really, really uncomfortable. And they don't like to be around you because it reminds them of their own inability or unwillingness to change. And so sometimes when you're making strides in the Holy Spirit and you're going forward, you're going to have people that are just going to come against you because they're jealous of your success, because they're jealous that you're making strides. And I want to tell you, in those moments, do not give your joy to those people. They don't deserve to have your joy. You keep your joy in those circumstances, and you just plow right around them. If they're going to be stuck, you just go ahead and work yourself right around them because sometimes people just want to come at you because of that. I want to give you a news flash this morning, especially those of you in this room that we talk about personalities a lot in this church, and one of the personalities is a sanguine personality, and they're the kind of personality that they're the life of the party, and they're fun to be around, and they're always seeming to be kind of like happy and outward, and they're very extroverted, and they love to be around people. They always want people to like them. So sanguines, news flash, not everybody is going to like you. That's okay. Not everybody is going to like you, and that's all right. We, we're not meant to be liked by everybody, so stop trying to be liked by everybody. Now, don't be a jerk. I'm not saying that. But don't feel the need to be liked by everybody because not everyone is going to like you. You're going to run up against these types of people that are trying to take your joy. Don't give them your joy. Just brush them off and keep moving forward. If they want to be stuck, like I said, let them be stuck. There's all kinds of people that want to try to take your joy. They could be strangers, people you've never met, but they could be people a little closer to you. George Burns said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. <laughs> right? Sometimes your family is trying to take your joy. Sometimes they, I'll tell you what, if there's people that can take your joy easier than anybody else, it's your family. They've had years of practice at pushing your buttons. They know exactly what it takes and what exactly to say to get you riled up and to get you to lose your cool and get you to get your temper fired up. Many of us are going to see them in the next week, okay? This is a relevant topic for right now. We got to know that when we're going into those situations, it is not worth us freaking out on our relatives because probably we've had the same conversation 800 times. And with things like vaccines and masks and politics, there is a lot right now to get us upset and help us and make us lose our cool. So I'm telling you, as you go into your family situations this weekend, don't lose your joy. Keep your joy. Let them rant and rave about whatever they want to, but don't let it affect your joy, okay? They don't deserve to have your joy. You deserve to keep your joy. They deserve to have their opinion. That's okay, but you deserve to have your joy. So you keep it and don't give it away to them. There's going to be those people that come against us, whether it's family or whether it's people close. And let me tell you something. In the Bible, this happens a couple of different, well, probably several times, but a couple that, that I think of that just come to the top of my head. Because sometimes God puts people in your life that don't like you for a specific reason and purpose. That's a crazy thought. Joseph's brothers, if you remember the story of Joseph, maybe you don't, but Joseph's brothers, he was one of 12 
brothers, and um, his brothers hated him so much, they beat him up and threw him in a pit. And they were going to leave him for dead. And then they decided to sell him to a bunch of strangers. They did not like him, okay? It was ordained by God that they didn't like him. Because that got him to exactly where he needed to be in Egypt so that he could be the one that, to save an entire nation. An entire nation was saved because this guy's brothers didn't like him. It was ordained by God. I mean, crazy thought. God used their, he used their anger towards him, their jealousy toward Joseph, and they were jealous of him for his purpose. David and Saul, David was the king, greatest king Israel ever had, and he had, he had Saul, who was the king before him, who was incredibly jealous, tried to kill him on multiple occasions. If Saul hadn't been in David's life, David wouldn't have taken the path that he, that he took to the throne and, and wouldn't have the refining of character that he had to make him the king, the greatest king that Israel had ever seen. Sometimes God puts people in your life who don't like you. So sometimes instead of looking at those people and getting upset with them and losing your joy, maybe you should look at them and say, thank you for, thank you for, for helping to create God's, uh, God's will for me in my life by being in my life and not liking me. Thank you for not liking me. I appreciate that. You're doing God's work right now. Thank you so much for that. The good news is when you come up against those kind of people that God fights your battles for you. You don't need to go at them and lose your cool. You don't need to tell them why they're wrong. They're not worth it. You don't need to go on social media and defend your case and make sure that your side of the story gets told. One of the hardest things you're ever going to do as a Christian, and I hope you do it, is when someone accuses you and they're completely wrong, you just sit there with your mouth shut and let God take care of it. It's very hard. One of the hardest things I've had to do as a Christian. But I'll tell you what, when you do that, it tells God that we believe that he is who he said he is and he'll do what he said he'd do. And he does it every single time. I guarantee it, he will. So let God take care of it. You keep your joy. You know, it sounds like an oxymoron, but power and control don't, go from com- uh, don't come from going off on people. Power and control come from by exercising self-control. People that just go off on everybody and everybody thinks they're powerful, they're not powerful. They're just whiny little babies that are trying to get their way. The people that have true power are the ones who keep their power under wraps by using self-control doesn't mean you're any less if you use self-control and you don't respond to someone. It means you actually have more power. Some people are just powder kegs ready to explode on anybody. You probably ran into those people. Like, you don't have to say much, and, and they're ready to just go. I'll give you an example of this on our way to, many of you know that Pastor Donnie and, and my wife Devin and his wife Megan went to Cabo last weekend. Was that last weekend already? Jeez. Two weeks. Okay, I was going to say, man, it seems like longer than that. We went to Cabo, and when we were on our flight from, I think it was from Des Moines to Phoenix, uh, there was a flight attendant um, who was, you know, they were doing their little drink thing where they bring out the carts, and they ask if you want to drink. Well, she never asked us. I didn't really want anything to drink. I think Devin wanted a Diet Coke. And so she didn't really ask us if we wanted anything. And so Devin's like, oh, they left already? I wanted a Diet Coke. And so I was like, fine, well, I'll get her. Well, she went by, and I tried to get her attention. Like, hey, ma'am, ma'am, stewardess hey, hello, and she just kind of kept walking. I don't think, she didn't ignore me on purpose. She just had a mission, you know, and then when she came back, I tried to get her attention again and couldn't, couldn't get her attention. She just walked right on by me, and then the third time, I was like, finally, I was like, I just, she, she came by, and then I was, she was running really fast, so I kind of like faster went on. I hit, her, I hit her in the arm like that, and holy cow, you would have thought I put a chokehold on that woman, because she stopped instantly in the aisle. She said, sir, you keep your hands off of me. If you need something, you hit that little button up there. Don't ever touch me again. And I was like, whoa, lady, okay. Um, so I, you know, in the moment, I, I decided I'm going to keep my joy. And uh, I said, I said, 
I said, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't really sorry, but in the moment, I just, it was the right thing to say. <laughs> I, 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 I was like, I'm sorry. Sorry you reacted that way. I'm sorry. I didn't have to tell her the whole thing. But I said, I'm sorry. And I said, can you know, my wife get a Diet Coke? And so finally she did. And um, <clears throat> she's like, next time you need to go hold me, you hit the, hit the light. And I was thinking, well, you would have quit ignoring me the three times I tried to get your attention. I wouldn't have had it, you know. But anyway, <laughs> all in here. Didn't come out all in here. Kept my joy. <laughs> But sometimes you run into people like that. They're just ready to explode for no particular reason. And, you know, but maybe sometimes there is a reason behind it. You know, as I got to thinking about that lady, um, that stewardess, as I was kind of, as we were going on her flight and continuing it, I started thinking because, you know, I had been reading some articles online. And the last couple of days, there have been two separate articles I read where flight attendants were assaulted by people in the plane. And I started thinking, well, maybe, maybe that's in the back of her head, you know? And I knew that. I know there's a labor shortage right now, and I know that these people have been probably laid off for long periods of time during the pandemic because, you know, air, air travel got hit pretty hard, and, you know, maybe she was one of those who got laid off for a long time, and maybe now she's working like crazy because there's not enough flight attendants to go around, and so I started rehearsing these ideas in my head, and it always brings me back to the, the verse in Ephesians that says, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against the physical person in front of us. We're wrestling against the powers and the principalities and the things that are happening behind them, there's a, there's a saying that says, hurt people hurt people, and it, it, it always reminds me of that verse. And it always gives me perspective, because sometimes I look at those people, and I want to just go off, and I want to get mad, and I want to be like, what is your problem? You know? But as I look at it, because, but when I think about that verse, I think, you know what? There's actions behind the actions that I don't know about, so I'm going to give that person some grace. So I'm going to look at them, and, and, it, and it turns my anger into compassion for those individuals. And again, it allows me to keep my joy. So keep your joy. Don't give it away. Buddy told us you got to choose it, you got to keep it, and uh, lastly, you got to share it, which sounds a little weird to say, keep your joy, share your joy. Well, which is it, Pastor Jared? Keep it or share it? Well, don't give it away, but share your joy. There's a, there's a scene in the movie, and I'm not going to show it this morning, but um, where Buddy goes into his dad's workplace, and he finally has a suit on and not his elf suit, and um, everywhere he goes, he's, he's throwing out compliments, like this lady has a purple dress, and he's like, you're looking very purpley today, you know? And uh, there's this Deb who is a secretary or assistant to his dad. And he says, oh, Deb, you're so pretty. Your face should be on a Christmas card. And she said, oh, you make my day. And then he goes down into the mailroom because his dad wants to get away from him. And this is dingy, nasty place full of, like, ex-cons. And, um, you know, and it clips to a scene. And then next thing you know, uh, Buddy's up on a table, and he's doing, like, the Russian dance. And they're all gathered around just cheering him on and yelling and excited and happy. And he's bringing joy with him wherever he goes. And that's that's the heart of what I want to talk about when I, when I talk about sharing your joy. Sharing joy multiplies joy. 1 Timothy 6.18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So what's this verse telling us? Do good. Do good things for other people and be generous with it and be willing to share what you have. Share your joy. If there's a time that the world needs joy, it's now. Man, we have been beat up and angry for two years in America, and, and not just America, but the world. It's all over the world. For two years, we've been dealing with this pandemic, and people are angry, people are frustrated, and people are mad. There's no better time to bring joy to this world than now. There's no, you're not going to stick out more, there's never been a time when you're going to stick out more for having joy in your life than you are now, because Everybody, it seems like, is upset. Everybody's got an ax to grind about what's happening in our world. So if you bring in joy, you're going to be a breath of fresh air to people 
in this time. See, God, by his very nature, is a giver. And so anytime we give, we identify with who he is. We were created in his image, which means part of us was meant to, uh, part of our DNA was that we were meant to be givers. So when we're giving out to other people, we're identifying with God, man, it feels good. I don't know if you've ever done something good for someone, but it feels good to do it. And you feel lifted up. And actually what happens is your joy gets multiplied when you start giving your joy away. It's a pretty amazing thing that God set up of how we live and how we were meant to function. So much of our life in Christ is meant to be shared with the world. And a couple of examples from the Bible is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, hey, go into the Jerusalem and just stay there until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit because when this baptism fills you, then you're going to be my witnesses and carry my message to your entire world. But he said, don't go anywhere until you receive it. So like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as much as it's great for us, it's not necessarily meant for us. It's meant for others. It's an overflow of joy. In the Old Testament, there was this law, and Pastor Barry talked about it. He did a great series on Ruth a while back, and he talked about this principle in, that was found in like Leviticus and Numbers where the, the, those that farmed, the, the farmers, the ones that had land, they would leave behind, and they would leave behind some of the, the wheat and some of the, whatever their produce was. They would leave it on the ground so that the, the people who were poor, that didn't have land, that couldn't farm for themselves, they could come back later and they could pick it up. They're just sharing their abundance. They're sharing their joy. <laughs> I love the thought that it's within our power to give someone our joy. Isn't that a cool thought? We have the power not just to keep our own joy and to choose our own joy. We have the power to give our joy to other people and to make them joyful in the process. And it doesn't take much. I want to show you a short video to illustrate what I'm talking about. <laughs>
How many of you smiled watching that video? Isn't that simple? They just took Hershey's bars. So for a dollar, and every single one of those people, once they lift it up, they smile. I mean, what's that worth, you know? Something as easy as giving a dollar chocolate bar to someone and say smile and write a little encouraging note to them makes them smile. Man, what can we do with something like that? Our world, like I said, has been beat down for two years. We got to have some joy. And it's easy for us to make someone's day, I think. Even a simple act of kindness can go a long way. So this is my altar call for us today. In this season of giving, I'm giving you an assignment. Find someone this week that you can bring joy to and bring joy to their lives. And I might even go a step beyond that. Let's, let's use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Allow God to speak to you somebody's name, somebody's circumstance, maybe someone you know, maybe someone you don't. And if you hear God speaking to you about someone, maybe a name just pops in your mind and you think, I should give them a call and encourage them, then do it. Maybe you see someone and you think, man, that person looks like they could use 20 bucks. Take 20 bucks out of your wallet and give it to them. I want every single one. I don't want you to just listen to this and not do it. I want you to do it this week. I want you to find one person and do something that brings joy to their life. It's within our power. Isn't that crazy? We have the power to give someone joy. God gave us every reason for joy when Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago. We have the power to pass that on to pay it forward. So let's give joy to someone this week. That's, that's our altar call for this week. But before I let you go this morning, I want to remind you that in order to grow your joy, there's three things you got to do. You got to choose it. You got to keep it. You got to share it. So practice that. I've been thinking and talking. I've been in this sermon for like two weeks, and I've been trying these things in my life. And it's, it's been fun to practice these principles of joy in my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. So um, in order to end today, like I said, I don't have an altar call, but um, I've heard that it's been said that the best way to spread Christmas cheers singing loud for all to hear. So I'm going to have the worship team come back up this morning, and they're going to lead us in uh, joy to the world. So why don't you give them a hand as they come back up, and let's stand up and get ready to worship this morning. Thanks, Pastor Jared. Thank you, Pastor Jared, for reminding us to be joyful. Everybody smile real big. Some of you aren't doing it. <laughs> smile real big. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and look at him and smile. Some of you still aren't doing it. You full of joy today? Amen. Well, let's, let's sing that song we started with, Joy to the World.
me pray for you, and we'll head out today. Close your, uh, go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the joy, Jesus, that you brought to us 2,000 years ago. Father, let us be conduits through which you spread that joy to each and every person that we come in contact with. Help us to choose it. Help us to keep it, Lord. Help us to share it wherever we go today. Lord, thank you for your people that are amazing, wonderful, and awesome in this place. God, I pray you bless them and help them have an incredible Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.